Hello and welcome to the Sit and Cage Side MMA Podcast. I'm your host, Aiden Burton. I'm here to guide you through the wild world of mixed martial arts, the UFC, Bellator, PFL, or anything in between. I'm your one-stop shop. Today for our first episode, we got two big fight cards to talk about, plus a lot of news. We got PFL 6 this Friday. Main card at 8 p.m. on ESPN with the prelim starting at 6 on ESPN Plus, along with UFC 276. Saturday, 6 p.m. prelims on ABC. Main card at 10 p.m. on Saturday on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. We're going to start out with PFL 6 since that's Friday. We're going to work top down. We're going to start out with the main event. We're going to talk about Kayla Harrison taking on Caitlin Young in the women's lightweight division. Now, Caitlin Young is a step-in for what was supposed to be Julia Budd. And to be honest with you, it doesn't really change too much of how I see this fight going. We all know Kayla Harrison by this point. If you follow mixed martial arts, this girl is probably one of the top top female mixed martial artists in the world. Undefeated, I believe, 12-0. She's won PFL two or three times already. And they were lucky to re-sign her for this season. She actually got taken to a decision in her last fight, which is the first time we've really seen her face any adversity. It's kind of funny because you hear people actually hating on Kayla literally for going to a decision in a fight. I don't I don't know how. I don't know how you can hate on that. I mean, she went out there, she dominated the whole fight. She just didn't get a dis- she didn't get a finish. Instead came away with a decision. And people for whatever reason decided to see that as something horribly wrong for her. I mean, whatever. I mean, she is still far and away favorite twin PFL clearly. And she's taking on Caitlin Young, who's honestly a really, really big pioneer in women's MMA. You know, you go back and you look at her old fights. She fought people like Misha Tate and beat Misha Tate. She's fought in Invicta. She's fought all around. But at the end of the day, she's on Downson Hill Slope. I think right now her record might stand at, I think it's 12-12 and 12 last I checked. And I believe it's about to be 12-13. and 13. No hate to her. She's just facing... Who she's facing with Kayla. I think Kayla's going to be too much. I think Kayla can really take this fight wherever she wants. Definitely if Caitlin's going to win, it's going to be on the feet. Um, she's got, you know, great kickboxing. She's had 8 of her 12 wins by knockout or technical knockout. And then 4 decisions... If she's going to win, she's going to keep Kayla at bay. She's going to keep her distance, use push kicks up the middle. I mean, she's a Muay Thai-style fighter, but three of her 12 losses have been by submission. With six being by decision, she's got a chin, but at the end of the day, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be something that can actually stop Kayla Harrison from doing anything. I mean, to be fully honest with you, Caitlin Young is not a women's lightweight. Caitlin Young is a women's featherweight, maybe even a women's bantamweight, if she really wanted to cut weight. She should not be fighting at 155 pounds, but alas, the PFL, for whatever reason, their only women's division is 155 pounds, and the truth is you just don't find talent at 155 in women's divisions. It's hard to find talent at 145. I mean, literally at 145 you have Kayla Harrison... Because we've seen her cut to it to fight an Invicta. She did that during the pandemic. You got Amanda Nunes. You got Chris Cyborg. 
Those are your three 145ers. And Holly Holm and Caitlin Vieira. Those two are pretty good. Other than that, 145 is a division that is weak to begin with. But PFL uses 155, I think, just to make Kayla happy. I mean, the truth is, a lot of these girls could be cutting to 145. They're not. A lot of them used to fight at 145, if not 135. But the PFL still creates these fights. Like I said, though, Kayla, she's the most true 155-pound uh, female fighter we've seen. She's probably going to try to close the distance on Young, get this in close, get into clinch, and then Kayla, you know, Olympic gold medalist Judoka, she's going to use judo throws. She's going to take this fight to the ground. I think I think it's going to be a submission. Um, but at the end of the day, she might see it as a challenge and decide to just stand and bang with Caitlin. And even with that, I think Caitlin's just going to have too much strength. I think she's going to be way too much to handle. And at the end of the day, I just see Kayla coming in and getting a finish. I think she was mad, mad at herself with the last fight, not getting a finish. I, I predict we'll see pretty dominant performance by Kayla Harrison yet again. And then we move on to the co-main for the PFL. We got Rory Red King McDonald, ex-UFC title challenger, ex-Bellator champion, facing off against the Swedish Denzel Washington. Sadiwu Sai. That's one of the best nicknames I've ever heard. Truth is, this fight I see Rory actually winning pretty easily. It, as long as he's able to close the distance to get this into the ground, I could actually see him finishing this fight, getting a submission victory. Um, Sai's a great striker. He's really good. But at the end of the day, I don't know if he's at the level of Rory, even on the feet. Rory, you know, we've seen how good he is just over the last years. Or last, however however long he's fought. He's just always been insanely good. Holding the record 23-8-1. I know he's lost three out of his last five. At the end of the day, his record, I mean, it speaks for itself. The wars he had with uh, Robbie Lawler, how he fought in Bellator, then now coming over to the PFL, this guy's one of the best welterweights of all time. And at the end of the day, I just see this fight being not too difficult for Rory as long as he's able to close the distance to get a takedown. Size always got a puncher's chance, so I could always finish the fight on the feet. Rory, you know, he's tough, but at the end of the day, if he's going to lose... I would say this thing's going to be by knockout. This thing's not going to go to a decision. If Rory's going to lose, he's going to get knocked out. But at the end of the day, I still see him taking this fight to the ground, riding out control, maybe some ground and pound. And I see Rory winning this fight pretty easily, personally. I mean, he's minus 330 favorite for a reason. You know, people act like he's old. He's actually younger than um, Cy. He's actually three years younger than Sai. Yes, he's had a lot more wear and tear on him over his career. I don't see this thing being too much of a question, though. I see Rory taking this fight to the ground. You know, Pamela Sai maybe takes the back at some point and can sink in that rear naked choke. But we'll see. Then another huge fight on the card. We got Ray Cooper the third, reigning uh, welterweight champion for the PFL, taking off. Or taking on Brett Cooper. And this fight, you know, if this was last year, there'd be no question who I'm siding with. I'd be siding with uh, Ray Cooper, no question. He's insanely good. But at the end of the day, I think he missed weight by like 10 pounds in his last fight, if I remember right. I don't know how. 
but he missed weight big time. And, I mean, if he's going to, or if he's going to come in here and he's going to be disciplined, if he's going to actually, you know, focus on the weight cut, focus on everything, and you can tell that he's motivated, I think there's no question that Ray Cooper gets this done. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not sure. I mean, the way he was with that last fight, I mean, that, that worried me, man. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you come in you know, way overweight, it, it definitely is concerning to anyone watching. Um, at the end of the day, I do think he's still going to get the job done against Brett. Brett could do. Brett could uh, pull off the unthankful and get this knockout, especially if, like I said, Ray just comes in unmotivated and you know, not really into it, but at the end of the day, he lost his last fight, I think he's trying to, if he wants to get in the PFL playoffs, I think he has to get an early finish, so honestly, I see Ray probably taking this to the ground and then just dominate him, I see probably, you know, get some wrestling going, get him on the ground, and then just ground and pound, I mean, I see a fast pace, I see Ray coming out being explosive, and I think he gets the job done against an older Brett Cooper, and, I mean, Brett's lost three of his last five. And um, Cooper was, or Ray Cooper was on at least a four fight winning streak. He's won four of his last five. He just lost the last one. I see Ray winning this. I see Ray winning this pretty dominantly, just as long as he comes in motivated. If that weight cut drains him, that's when I get worried. That's when I'm not too sure about if he can get this thing done. But he should be able to. I do believe that he can. Moving on down the card, though, we got Magomed, Magomed Karimov facing off against Zavarino. This fight's going to be interesting. At the end of the day, I feel pretty confident that we're going to have uh, Magomed uh, Karimov winning this fight. It was another big-time welterweight showdown. Forgot to mention the weight. I just... I see him being too much for Zeverino. I see him probably taking this fight. Like I said, he's a dad, he he's a Dagestani wrestler. I see this fight going to the ground, and I see him just dominating it from there. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting at the end of the day. I mean, just because Zeverino could do, Zeverino could, you know, pull off the unthinkable. He's won four of his last fight, or four of his last five fights. But, I mean. The odds speak for themselves. Magomed's still a minus 560 favorite in this fight. And, you know, Zeverino's going to be a plus 380 underdog. I mean, could, you know, always punch his chance. Um, Magomed Karimov, this is his first fight of the PFL season. He did not fight in the last um, last fight card that he could have or should have fought on due to an injury, but he's back. And, you know, I see him just taking this fight really fast-paced, really being explosive with the wrestling. You know, that's kind of what I said about Ray Cooper. I can make Karimov. I'm going to do it just the same. And moving on down, we got Laura Pacheco against Jenna Fabian in the women's lightweight division. This one, Laura, I believe, was the last fighter to take on Kayla. I mean, if if I remember this right, she was the last um, 
fighter take on Kayla, and she actually took her to a decision. And with that, I mean, that definitely just on its own, in my mind, is going to give a bit of an advantage to her. But Jenna Fabian's, you know, made it to the PFL finals before. I think fought Kayla twice, lost both times. But at the end of the day, I think these two ladies are the two that could beat Kayla. Probably not, but could beat Kayla in the PFL. Um, yeah, I just... Oh, no, uh, Pacheco was not the last one, but Pacheco did fight against Kayla at one point in 2019, and that was a decision. So, yeah, so it wasn't the last fight, but she did take Kayla to a decision. At the end of the day, I just think Pacheco might be too much. I think, you know, her jiu-jitsu might be a lot to handle for Fabian, but Fabian is a renowned kickboxer, but at the end of the day, I just see... I just see Laura Pacheco probably being able to utilize her grappling at the minus 420 favorite. And I think she's going to be able to get this thing done. Never know, though. But, I mean, she's a younger fighter. And the, she's younger, but also more experienced. And I just think, I don't know, I just think she's just going to be able to get this fight done. <clears throat> we also got Umalatov shooting. My, his first name always slips my mind. He's so good fighting on this card, but his uh, his first name always slips my mind. It's Magomed. Every freaking uh, Dagestan wrestler. But Magomed Umalatov on this card. You know, I see him as being too much for Al Silawi. Sorry, I couldn't get the name out. Um, but this fight, this is actually more of a pick and fight just because of Al uh, Silawi. He's really well-rounded. And I could see him being a little bit for Umalatov's um, wrestling. Could see him maybe being able to sprawl and brawl a little bit, uh, keep his fight on the feet. But I would more than likely say that Umalatov's going to be able to get this thing done. And like the last four fights I've said, I mean, this is going to be a wrestling, I mean, just a display of wrestling if he's going to win. I know Umalatov can stand and bang. I know he's got some, he's definitely got some good hands. But at the end of the day, I don't think. Don't think that uh, Silawi is going to be able to stop the wrestling for, you know, three full rounds. I just don't think it's going to be enough. Um, or I don't think he's going to have enough in the tank. And I just see Umlutov getting it done personally. But I see this fight probably being a decision. I don't think this fight's going to be a... This fight's not going to be a one-sided contest. I feel like this is going to end up being, you know, drawn-out decision. Maybe like a 29-28. I could see this fight being... This fight, this fight's gonna be probably the closest fight to the one that I've said. If not, maybe Rory and uh, Sai, but I'm not sure. I'd probably say this is gonna be the closest fight on that card of the big ones. You know, I've, I'm not mentioning some of them. These are really the ones to watch. Now uh, that'll wrap up our PFL talk. Like I said, that starts Friday at six on ESPN Plus for the prelims, and I believe Umlatov and the Fabian fight, both of those are on the prelims, the main card, Friday, 8 p.m. on ESPN. It's going to be one that you want to tune in. You're never going to want to miss Kayla Harrison fight. It's certainly good. Yeah. But now let's move on to UFC 276. Where we're going to have Israel Adesanya set for his sixth title defense against Jared, the Killer Gorilla, Cannoneer. <clears throat> also co-mained by... Alexander the Great Volkanovsky versus Max Blessed Holloway, part 
three. This card is going to be great. I mean, I'm excited for this card. This card um, is absolutely stacked. You also got Sean O'Malley on this card. You got Sean Strickland and Alex Pereira. You got Robbie Lawler and Brian Barbarena. I mean, that's the main card. This fight card, like top to bottom, is one of the best cards that we've seen this year. The only one that I can maybe rival with it is 274, where you had Geishi Oliveira, Chandler Ferguson, Rose Carla 2, which ended up being a snooze fest. I mean, but, and then you also had um, Shogun Hua. I mean, that was a great card. There's something about this card, just the name value on this card, even on the prelims. I mean, this fight card is one that you don't want to miss. Like I said, prelims, 6 p.m. on ABC. That's huge for the UFC also, just getting that platform to be on national TV on something like ABC and not on, you know, I mean, ESPN's great, but being on ABC is just another step up. We're going to go from the top, or from the bottom to the top with the UFC talk, just because I want to save, you know, the Izzy talk. I want to save the Cannoneer talk for in a little bit. But we're going to start by uh, talking about some significant fights on the prelims. We got Jessica Evil Eye versus Macy Barber. I mean, this is going to be, this is the biggest um, step up for Barber in competition that she's had. Um, this is really going to prove, you know, is she going to, or is she good enough at this young of an age for her to be in that top echelon of the flyweight division? And, you know, this fight's just a really important, um, really important fight in that women's flyweight division, in a division where you have someone like Valentina going through every challenger easily, except the last one. Last one was a really close fight, but still, she's, uh, I mean, even if she had an immediate rematch with last fight, she, I think she's just going to dominate the next one, personally. So, you know, it's a division where we need new contenders to get in there, you know, as quick as possible. Jessica, I got killed by Shevchenko. And I think it's important now that we keep this thing moving. We got Mason Barber attended too. I'm coming in here. And I mean, she's, you know, on a roll right now. She's great. Um, she's super entertaining. Her interviews are always fun. She's a really honest person. Really young. She's 24 years old coming into this fight. And Jessica I is 35. But personally, I, I don't know where you can really side with this one. I mean, like, Barber is, in my mind, the superior talent. But at the end of the day, I is so experienced. I don't know. Um, right now, Macy Barber is a minus 260 favorite. I would expect this to probably be by a decision, if anything, just purely because, I mean, at the end of the day, neither of these... Girls are necessarily going to pack a huge punch. Maybe I, but Barber, yes, she has finished fights in the past, but taking such a step up, I think this is going to be a fight where it's going to be really technical. I do think uh, Macy Barber is going to be able to just outwill I, and if she needs to, she I think she does have the, um, the ground game to be able to give this fight in the way that she wants it. At least that's how I see it. Um, I know that Aaron Blanchfield wants to fight the winner of Barber and I, and I feel like with that, 
let's say that Barbara wins that, or this fight against Jessica I, beats Aaron Blanchfield, I think Barbara could already be looking at a title shot. I mean, the truth is, I mean, this division is so, you know, it's so in need of someone. I feel like that could happen. I might be stretching a little bit. Depends on how she wins those fights. Maybe she's two or three wins away after this, but still, this is a huge fight for Barbara. And Barbara's coming in on short notice, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be uh, Casey O'Neill, who's another big prospect in this. I wish, I hope at some point we do get to see Casey O'Neill versus Macy Barber, by the way. That's, that would be a great fight to actually get to watch. But at the end of the day, right now, we're looking at Macy Barber versus Jessica I. And I think Macy might just, might have more of that gas tank and might just be able to do what she wants with this fight. I think it's going to be a decision, though, like I said. Let's see Macy Barber winning this one. You also got a huge fight at the 185-pound division on the prelims, actually. You got Uriah Hall facing off against Andre Muniz. I checked out the odds on this fight, and I was jaw-dropped. From what I saw, I think Andre Muniz was a big favorite, which, like I said, I don't really know. I don't know about that, man. Um, Uriah Hall... We know his talent. We know how good this guy is. And we know, I mean, that it for him it's an attitude issue. You know, the people who have been close to him have said, you know, he has such a good talent. But at the end of the day, it's his motivation or it's his mindset. There's something that's off with him. I don't think it's a laziness. I think it might be a timidness or a fear and at the end of the day, I just, it depends on what your eye hole you get. If you get him at the top of this game, I think he's, he could come out here and just spark Muniz. But Muniz, odds makers don't think that's going to happen. Muniz is a minus 295 favorite because of his superior grappling. They expect him to get this fight to the ground and then get a submission out of this fight. But, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm... If I had to side with it, I probably would say you're going to end up seeing Andre Muniz win. He's a rising prospect. He's great. I mean, Muniz is absolutely great. But we can't, like, entirely forget about how good Uriah Hall is. This fight has a big implication, to be honest, on 185 Division because you have someone like Muniz that's surging. Muniz... Um, fought on the Contender Series in 2019, and since then, you know, he's won um, four straight fights in the UFC. Beat uh, Antonio Arroyo, um, Fabinski, I never say his first name. Beat Jacare, I do remember that. That was a huge win. He He's uh, the one who snapped Jacare's upper arm back on UFC 262. And, I mean, that was insane. And then he submitted Eric Anders, which Eric Anders is insanely good, too. So, at the end of the day, maybe the oddsmakers are right with this one. Maybe he's going to end up getting the submission and beating Uriah Hall. I think he definitely does have a really good chance of that. But, I think we really do have to take notice that the truth is, all four of his losses have come by knockout. Hall's definitely got a chance of getting this, even off his back. Hall can knock people out. We've seen the upkick knockout uh, when he was on The Ultimate Fighter. 
Uriah Hall is a good fighter. I am going to side with Andre Muniz in this fight. But don't don't sleep completely on Uriah Hall. The guy can land one punch and the thing's over. And, you know, the snap of a finger, blink of an eye. Um, on up the fight card, we got a rematch of veterans at the UFC welterweight division. We got Jim Miller coming up against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Now, this one's one that personally I'm super excited about. You got two big-time veterans, big-time veterans of the fight game, taking on each other for the second time, first time since 2014 when that was in the lightweight division, this one's in welterweight. But back in 2014, Cowboy knocked out Jim Miller. But at the end of the day, both these guys are still great fighters. This is going to be really entertaining. Both guys nearing the end of their career. Both, like I said, super entertaining, great guys. One really important thing when you look at this fight, these two guys are tied for the most wins in the UFC's history. Both, I believe, have 23 wins in the UFC. And this will break that tie. It's going to be really interesting for that reason to see what happens. Of course, we already know both these guys, how they fight, how well-rounded each of them are. And I think this is going to be a really interesting fight. This, this fight could take place anywhere, on the feet, on the ground, anything. And I think it's going to be really interesting, really close either way. Um... I know Cowboy's been in camp for a really long time. I don't know if that could end up hurting him. He did take this fight on short notice, but at the end of the day, he was preparing for Joe Lazon for two straight fights. And now he's going up there against Jim Miller. And I think it's kind of interesting to look at and see what see the differences that that could make. Donald could be at a smaller frame than he was used to because he was make, he made two cuts to 155. For those fights with Joe Lazon, first time Cowboy got food poisoning, second time someone was wrong with Lazon's weight cut. So now he's fighting again at 170, and I'm not sure if Miller was prepared for a 155 fight or 170. If he was prepared for a 155 fight like he's fought for most of his career, then okay, this is going to be on fairly even territory. But if Miller was prepared for a 170 fight, I think he might have a better frame than Donald coming into this one. And I think... In this fight, it could be interesting to see if Miller utilizes any takedowns just because of how good Cowboy's jiu-jitsu is. It's pretty underrated. I mean, obviously, Cowboy has so many finishes on his career and can stand a bang with really anyone. I don't know. I think Miller is going to be faster. I mean, I would expect Miller to be the crisper fighter. Um, I mean, the age, they're 38 and 39. So, like, the age isn't really anything off. Miller is going to have to close the distance. He's a shorter fighter, but... I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see how this happens. And, um, yeah, it's kind of a tough fight to really call. I mean, honestly, I think it might be just leaning a little bit towards Jim Miller. But we're going to see. We're not sure yet. And, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty entertaining in my mind. Um, so now let's move on up the card a little bit to look at Ian Gary, the rising prospect out of Ireland, Irish's, or Ireland's next big UFC superstar facing off against Gabriel Green here at UFC 276. I'm excited for this one. I think it's going to have, um, I think it's going to be a really big challenge for Green, or for Gary, in the form of Green. Gabriel Green's 11-3. He's a great fighter. 
He truly is. Um, Gabriel, he's more of a wrestler. He's had six missions on his career with uh, four other wins covered by knockout and one decision. So he's going to be looking to finish this fight. Gary, obviously, is a stand-up guy. He's going to be looking for a knockout. He's going to look for anything exciting. He's a kickboxer. He likes to stay at range. He likes to throw that push kick up the middle. And, you know, just be careful. He's kind of a counter-striker. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how this fight goes. Um, the only loss Gabriel Green has had recently, I mean, only loss he's had in the last five years, came in 2020 against Daniel Rodriguez, D-Rod. We all know who that is. He's great. And, yeah, I just think it's going to be really interesting. Or really interesting. Um, Gabriel Green used to fight in Bellator, as a matter of fact, I believe. Um, that's where his, one of his losses uh, came from on the Sonnen versus Ortiz card from back in 2017. That's insane. But, no, he, he's he been a great fighter since then, being Philip Rowe, which is a pretty big win. And then uh, Johan uh, Linus, he actually got a TKO win in that one in the second round. That was actually a really good win. Really impressive fight. Happened back in April. So he's on a quick turnaround, but so is Gary, I believe. Gary last fought, yeah, also in April. Where he uh, finished Darian Weeks on Volk's uh, last card where he faced the Korean Zombie. Yeah, you're going to look for Gary to try to keep this fight at bay. He has five wins by knockout, three by decision. He does have one submission win under his belt. I am going to side with Gary in this fight. I think, you know, his... I don't know, his length, I think, is going to be a factor. I think he's going to be able, like I said, throw the push kick up the middle. He's going to sprawl and brawl. And, yeah, I mean, I honestly do see him finishing this fight. I mean, I do think this could be a big test for him. I think Gabriel could win this fight if it, if he's able to get that fight to the ground. His submission, you know, resume speaks for itself, and I do think that that could very well help him. But I'm not too sure if he's going to be able to do that. But I do think this is a huge step up for Ian Gary. I'm really excited to see how this fight plays out. And, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great fight for him. You know, that's he has the potential, in my mind, to be Irish or Ireland's next big UFC slash just makes martial arts in general superstar. He's fun to watch, knows how to handle himself on the mic, but he's not, you know, disrespectful in any way. Throws respect towards his opponents, and, you know, he's freaking entertaining fire to watch i think that's going to be really interesting to see how he pairs up with gabriel green this weekend also on the prelims i do want to mention uh brad riddell you know his fight <clears throat> with Jalen turner i'm pretty excited about it's got some implications on lightweight rankings you know riddell's coming in at number 14 and Jalen's unranked but I mean, one thing I've been very shocked to see so far is that Riddell is a heavy underdog in this fight. From, or if I believe so, I'm going to check the odds real quick. Um, no, no, now, now they've moved more to near even. When I checked him yesterday, it was like minus 200 for Jalen Turner. It is now minus 140. This fight's going to be a tough one to call in my mind. Um, Jalen Turner, you know, he's a little younger. But, I mean, he's 12-5 on his career. Riddell, 10-2. I think Riddell, honestly, should be able to get the job done. He's coming off a loss, but, you know, I don't think that's going to deter him at all, especially fighting with um, Adesanya and Volk on the card. He's going to have that extra motivation. 
They want that clean sweep. They want three wins for Australia and New Zealand. He's going to have his entire city kickboxing. Um, his entire city kickboxing coaching staff. And he's also with Tiger Muay Thai. I'm just going to be able to see Riddell, I think. I, th I just think Riddell's going to get the upset in this fight. I mean, I couldn't necessarily tell you the method he's going to be able to get this thing because this fight, in my mind, could go either way. But in my mind, I do see Riddell getting a knockout. He could ride this thing out to a decision if he really wanted to. But, I mean, no, I, I see him going out there and I think giving Turner, another Bellator alumni, run for his money. But Turner also could very well knock Riddell out with one punch. He's got nine knockout wins on his career and three submission, actually. I just think this fight's going to be really entertaining. It's going to be tough to really pick. This is probably the biggest, like, coin flip fight on this whole card. Actually, no, that's, that's a tough one to say. I don't know if it's necessarily a coin flip fight, or the biggest coin flip fight on the whole card, because you got a lot of them. You got a lot of ones that I couldn't really side either way. But, no, this is going to be a really interesting card, or fight, I believe, on the early prelims. I'm not sure. And yeah. You also got Brad Tavares taking on Andre Duplice's lightweight division. That's going to be really entertaining for me. I mean, in my mind, Tavares is always entertaining to watch. He's a great fighter. Or Dragus Duplice's, sorry, I said Andre. But um, this is going to be a really, er, really entertaining fight in the middleweight. Gosh, I'm, I said lightweight even though you know I'm reading 185. It's going to be really interesting for 185-pound division. There's a lot of 185-pound uh, fights that are pretty big on this card. I mean, because you have the middleweight championship headlining it, you like to have a sense of direction of the entire division moving at once. Makes sense. It's a smart thing for the UFC to do. But, um, yeah, Tavares is coming in here at 19-6. Duplice is coming out, or coming out here at 16-2. and two. You know, Tavares is on a two-fight win streak. He beat Amari Akhmadov in his last fight, and he's beat Antonio Carlos Jr. recently. You know, his two losses were against Izzy, I mean, back in 2018, which no one can hate on him for that, and Edmund Shabazian. I mean, those are two fights that, those are two huge names. I think Tavares definitely has a great chance of getting this win. Um, he can do it any way he wants. He's kind of a mixed yeah, he does like to ride out to decisions and just outstrike or outgrapple. He can do either one. Duplices, though, I don't know if he's going to outgrapple uh, Duplices. Duplices, nine submission wins on his career, seven wins by knockout, and coming off a four-fight win streak. Last beating Trevin Giles back last July, so he's coming off a long layoff. Uh, Tafaris is not on that kind of layoff, I believe. Yeah. Er, no, yeah, they fought on the same card, actually. Back on the Poirier, or Poirier McGregor 3 card last year. Both of them haven't fought since then, so they both might have a bit of that ring rust. I do think it's going to be a really interesting fight. This is two high-level middleweights, and it's one that is a really tough one to side either way on, to be fully honest with you. Um, especially, you know, I've seen Duplice's fight, but I haven't seen him fight a ton, especially when it's been that long. And the odds are near even. It's minus 140 and plus 115. It's leaning towards Duplices. Um, I think standing on the feet is going to be Tavares' fight, but I think if it gets to the ground, Duplices definitely is going to finish this pretty easily. So, yeah. I mean, this one's going to be a really interesting one to watch. And that's going to wrap up all the prelims for UFC 276. Like I said, 6 o'clock, actually ESPN Plus, 8 o'clock 
it moves to ABC. And then the main card starts Saturday at 10 p.m. on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. This one's going to be worth worth the money to buy, or at least go watch it at a sports bar. Don't do illegal streaming. Come on. We got UFC 276. We're going to start from the bottom, work our way up on this main card. We're going to start with a fight that was supposed to be on the prelims but got moved up because of a fallout of the Misha Tate-Lauren Murphy fight. We got Robbie Lawler against Brian Barberena in the UFC welterweight division. This is Robbie's first fight in about a year as well. And this one's going to this one's going to be really entertaining. Um you know, it's at this point in uh, Robbie's career, you kind of just got to, you know, put him in fights with guys that I mean, you just want to see fireworks, and I feel like this is one that you definitely can. Um, you know, Lawler's finally got a win. He was on a four-fight losing streak, but beat Nick Diaz back last September. That was a fun fight. Um, you know, obviously, if he's going to get a win, he's going to knock someone out. This guy, yes, he has decision victories in the past over Roy McDonald, stuff like that. But if he's going to get a win, he is going to knock Bam Bam Barbarana out. Barbarina, I mean, he has some heavy hands of his own, and I think this could be this could be fireworks. He beat Matt Brown back in March. I mean, I remember that. He starched Matt Brown. Or no, that was a decision. Shoot, no, I was thinking of Brown's uh, starch on someone else. That was last year, though. But no, I remember that. He did beat Matt Brown by a decision. That actually was a really entertaining fight. Beat Darian Weeks. He lost to Jason Witt last year, but he... He has some big names on his resume. He's fought Randy Brown. He's fought Vicente Luque. He's fought Leon Edwards. He's fought Colby Covington. Fought Sage Northcutt as well. I mean, this guy has fought big-time names. And it's going to be really entertaining to see him get a shot against uh, Robbie Lawler. Personally, I think, you know, this fight isn't going the distance. There is no way in my mind this fight goes the distance. And if I'm wrong, okay. I mean, I've definitely been wrong before. I definitely will give you that. But, you know, more than, more likely, you know, these two guys are finishing guys. And I see this thing, you know, not going to the judges' scorecards. They want to finish this thing. Rob, Robbie's a slight favorite right now. Plus 105 for Barbarena. And that might be worth putting the money on Barbarena. Um, you know, he's seven years younger than Robbie. But I don't know, man. I mean... You know, Robbie's just so good, it's tough to bet against him. But at the end of the day, I do think Barbarena, if I was parting with my money, I'm going to take that little plus money at plus 105 and put it on Barbarena. But I'm not sure, man. This is this type of fight is really close, and it's tough to really, it's tough to really judge. So, you know, it's gonna, it, all this fight promises is fireworks. I can't promise you who's going to win. I can't tell you that. But this fight does promise fireworks, and this one's going to be really entertaining to open up the main card. Moving on up, this is going to be a fan-favorite fight. We got Pedro Munoz taking on Sugar Sean O'Malley. I mean, this fight's huge. You know, this has big implications on the 135 division, which is stacked to begin with. Probably the most stacked division in the entire UFC. But... Other than that, it, it's going to answer a lot of our questions. Is Sean O'Malley the guy that, you know, he's all cracked up to be? He's cracked up to be one of the best prospects we have ever seen at 135. You know, he's so tall for the weight class. He's quick. 
you know, obviously the hair, way he talks, tattoos, his lifestyle, you know, the cars he drives, stuff like that. The guy's a fan favorite. But the truth is, he hasn't fought that top, you know, upper echelon of people other than Cheeto Vera, in which he lost. And then he tries to downplay it like he didn't lose Cheeto. He got beat by Cheeto. Munoz is insanely good. This is the, by far, other than Cheeto, is going to be his toughest, you know, task yet. And like I said, he lost to Cheeto. So, like, it's tough to necessarily sit here and say with full confidence this is going to be Sean O'Malley's fight. I'm not so sure about that. You know, uh, Munoz, you know, if he gets to the ground, this fight very well could be over. He's got five submission victories on his resume. Uh, or no, eight submission victories, five knockout. He's coming off two losses in a row. He did lose to Jose Aldo, and he did lose to Dominic Cruz. But at the end of the day, this guy's good, man. This guy can fight great. I think it's going to be really entertaining to see him go up against Sean O'Malley. Um, you know, he's he has wins over Cody Garbrandt. Um, he did lose to John Donson, but he beat Rob Font back um, in 2017. He lost to Aljo, lost Frankie Edgar, beat Jimmy Rivera. I mean, this Munoz is good, and this is going to be a really big step up for someone like Sean. But I think Sean could be up to the task. Sean, you know, he's a great stand-up fighter. On the ground, he actually has sneakily good jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, that's something that a lot of people don't really, don't really think. If you actually, I think it was episode one or two of the Embedded series for UFC 276. I was watching it just earlier today. And his jiu-jitsu coach is on there talking about just how strong he is from the bottom. And you wouldn't expect it but because he never uses it. But, you know, he's a strong, or he's a strong guy. He's on a three-fight win streak being Thomas Almeida, Chris Moutinho, which the Moutinho fight was brutal. And then he also beat Helena uh, uh, Paiva. Now he's finally ranked, finally fighting a ranked guy. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for this type of fight. I think it's going to be really entertaining to see him against another top uh, bantamweight, you know, other than Cheeto, and Cheeto finished him in the first round. It's just going to be an entertaining fight. You know, on the feet, Sean obviously can keep this fight at a distance, and if he's able to keep this fight at a distance, then there's really no question that Sean's going to be able to win this. He just has that length. He has that reach that he's going to be able to just pop that jab out, pop push kicks up the middle. But I'm going to tell you right now, he is not going to want Munoz to get close. The young Punisher, he can actually, he can really finish this fight if he gets close. And if he gets, you know, right up in his face, he gets this takedown. You know, Munoz is great on his back. He's a plus 240 underdog with Munoz. O'Malley's a minus 300 favorite. Obviously, they're going to put the fan favorite as a favorite. Make them put that extra money down. But at the end of the day, this fight is not so one-sided, really, looking at it. I think I am still going to side with um, with Sean O'Malley. I think Sean might get it done, but it's not going to be super easy. He's not going to come out here and one-punch Pedro and it'd be over. I do think he will get the job done, but it's going to be a difficult fight. I don't know if he's necessarily going to do that. And this is going to push him into the top ten fighting maybe a rematch against Cheeto. He keeps talking about that. Rob Font's there for him to fight. I think it'd be interesting to see him fight someone like Rob. And, yeah, you know, this is going to really shoot 
Sean O'Malley into the you know upper echelon of the bantamweight division. Like right now, just taking a look at the rankings. You know, you got, I believe, Marab is set to fight soon. Marab versus Sean would be super entertaining. But he's already got a fight coming up. Cruz and, uh, yeah, Cruz and uh, Cheeto are already booked. Like I said, Rob Font would be really entertaining for him. Um, yeah, but this is going to catapult him into that top um, tier of Bantamweight division. May put him one more win away from, you know, that title shot. You never know. Let's move on up this card. Move on up to a number one contenders fight in the UFC middleweight division. Yep, I'm talking about Sean Strickland versus Alex Bahera. This fight, this, I mean, like I said, is for that number one contender spot, assuming as he wins. And, you know, we got a built-in story already with Pajera. Strickland is on the rise. This one's going to be really entertaining. You know, Pajera is the one guy to knock out Izzy. And he beat him in kickboxing twice, I believe. And Izzy's already talking about him, saying this is MMA, not tick, not or not kickboxing, all that. Yeah, he's right. But Pajera's still good. I mean, now you got him in four-ounce gloves. He'll still pack that punch. But Sean Strickland, man. Sean Strickland is good. Don't want to talk about it, but he is good. He has 10 knockout wins on his career, 4 submission, 11 decision wins. He packs a punch, but he also can wrestle. He's just a strong guy. He's kind of a crazy guy. I know on the mic, not everyone loves him. But he's really entertaining, and I'm really excited to see you know, what he does with this fight. And at the end of the day, Pajera, I mean, Pajera can flatline him at any point if he really lands hard. You know, he, his flying knee knockout when he first got to the UFC was so entertaining, all that. But this fight is going to be so great, you know. You got Strickland on a six-fight win streak. You know, his last four being huge names, beating Brendan Allen, Christoph Joko, Uriah Hall, and then Jack Romanson. The Jack Romanson fight was a split decision. I, I still lean with Strickland, but at the end of the day, you know, he's still surging through. And I do think his wrestling could present problems for Izzy. But at the end of the day, Whitaker struggled with the wrestling on Izzy. I still do think Whitaker may have won that second fight with Izzy. I don't know. But Whitaker struggled to get Izzy down a lot. Yal Romero is silver medalist in freestyle wrestling, struggling to get Izzy down. So I don't know. But Alex Pajera, obviously, if he's going to win this fight, I do think it's going to be by knockout. He does have a decision win on his career. I don't know, man. He has a submission loss, though. That submission loss could prove to be a bigger deal than than we want to give it credit for, just because, like I said, Strickland's um, Strickland's wrestling. But at the end of the day, I don't know, man. You know, it was big for Alex Pereira against Bruno Silva to actually have a decision win, get that octagon time in. Some people thought it was a bad thing, but I do think it's going to end up helping a little bit. You know, having that time where you have to work on the um, on the we're having to work on the distance, and you're having to understand defending the takedown for so long. And he and he was able to against Silva, got a unanimous decision victory. And obviously, his fight before he had a flying knee, and then led to or flying knee that led to a knockout, 
when he put on the punches right after it. This fight's going to be really entertaining, man. Um, you know, doing the MMA math, can't really with this one. I don't think they have any sort of common opponent, but they both have a common goal, and that's to challenge for the belt. Winner way more than likely will. And, man, this is this is going to be entertaining. Right now, it's near even odds. Strickland is plus 100 and minus 120 is Pajera as his favorite. I lean towards Sean Strickland. I understand the appeal, and everyone probably in the UFC brass wants Pajera to get this knockout, wants Pajera against Izzy. That thing's going to sell big time when you start talking about how Pajera beat him twice, Pajera knocked him out. What's going to happen in MMA is that was all kickboxing. At the end of the day, I'm just going to be completely honest, Strickland is absolutely crazy. Strickland come out here, wrestle, ground and pound, and maybe finish this fight on the ground just with punches. Strickland, he has no fear in him. He's going to bring this fight to Pajera. He's not going to be scared. Pajera is going to be the one that's trying to keep distance, make this kickboxing fight, but Strickland, he knows his MMA fight. This is going to be really entertaining. I'm really excited to watch this type of fight. And, you know, assuming as he wins, that guy, or whoever... Whoever wins needs to be ready on the mic for a call-out right after the fight because if Izzy wins, this guy's the next guy, way more than likely. Now let's move on to the co-main event. A huge 145-pound title fight, the trilogy fight, an odd trilogy fight, but a trilogy fight nonetheless, with Alexander the Great Volkanovsky taking on Max Blessed Holloway. I mean, this fight, if you watch the first two, you know exactly why. Everyone's super excited for this one. You know, the first one, Volk won, not super convincingly, but a close fight. And he won. More people than not understand Volk won the first fight. Second fight, it's one of the more controversial finishes, or one of the more controversial decisions in MMA history, at least recently, that you can really remember. This is one that a lot of people sat back at that fight and said, Max just won that fight. They gave it to Volk by a split decision. At the end of the day, since that fight, both guys have had two wins. Volk has looked amazing. Shoot, sorry, I had a notebook that just fell. Sorry, I know that's annoying. Volk has looked amazing in his two victories and the way he dominated Ortega, except for having to get out of that one guillotine and triangle, which both were insane. You know, it just proved the will. Other than that, he coasted a victory in that one. He won every other round other than the third pretty convincingly. And then you have Max, or wait, and then you have Volk's just domination of the Korean zombie, which was tough to watch. But, you know, just showed how good he is. Then you have Max destroying and dismantling Calvin Gator. Throwing punches while he wasn't looking. Talking to the commentary team. Screaming, I'm the best boxer in the UFC. During the fight as he's piecing up a known boxer in Calvin Gator. I mean, that fight, I watched it twice in like a day. Just I was jaw dropped. The performance that he put on was insane. And then Max goes out. 
and has a really exciting fight, a closer fight, but still you knew Max won against <clears throat> against Yair Rodriguez. Um, that was an insane fight. Both guys took a good amount of damage in that fight, and you typically don't see Max take damage, but he did there. Now it was an entertaining fight. And this, you know, leads us to a trilogy because there's nowhere else to go. You know that these guys are the two best featherweights in the world, and it's weird to make a trilogy when one guy's up 2-0, but they're just that freaking better than everyone else. These guys are the guys at 145. And, yeah, it's just, it's really entertaining. I mean, these are the two best featherweights in the world, no question. Personally, when you're breaking down this fight, it's, it's really tough to really say anything. You know, Volk, I might say, is the better, well-rounded fighter, but I do think Max is just straight up the better striker. And if Max is able to keep distance, I do think he can pick apart Volk. I truly do. But we know that uh, Volkanovski is insanely tough. We know that he's going to take this fight straight to Max. And... Volk won't be scared to stand with him. Volk definitely feels confident in his stand-up, especially after what he just did for Korean Zombie. But I do see Volk taking this fight to the ground, doing what he knows can work against someone like Max. You know, if he's able to close the distance, you know, control any sort of clinch, even if it's not the takedown. Probably wants to take down, but even in the clinch, I do think he's going to be able to work. I do think he's got a chance to beat Max there. Max is saying... The audience is going to be lucky if this fight goes past three rounds. I mean, that's really interesting to, you know, see a headline like that, that Max is that confident. Man, I'm not that confident in this fight at all. I think this fight is... These two guys are er, the most evenly matched guys I've seen in a long time. And I'm just really excited to see, you know, See him go to work, you know? Um, if I had to make a decision, I, I think I gotta go with the champ. I gotta, gotta go with Volk. But, you know, I like both guys. Part of me might say, you know, root for, root for Max, but I don't know. I think if I had to put money down, I'm gonna go on the guy that's won twice, but at the same time, tough to beat anyone three times in a row. And it's gonna be really interesting because let's say Max wins this fight. Do you have to give Volk the immediate rematch? I mean, what else is there? Josh Emmett is sitting cage side, I know, for the winner. Doesn't mean this fight is booked. I know Dana bought him tickets for that, and I know Josh Emmett wants his tile shot. But let's say Max wins a close fight against Volk. You're running this fight back for the fourth time, and I think there's no debate. I think that's what you have to do. But if Max wins this convincingly, okay, you go Max versus Emmett, whatever. If it's... Like, if Volk wins, period, you go Volk versus Emmett. But if this is a close fight and Max wins, you have to run this back for a fourth time. Let's say Max wins again in another close fight, then you have no idea what to do. Are they going to end up having to go fifth time? I don't know. This is, you know, one of the more shocking things you've seen in the UFC, and I absolutely freaking love it. Love every second of this. But no, this fight is going to promise fireworks. I'm really excited about this. You know, each guy wants to finish this. Volk keeps saying he's going to make it look easy. Max says everyone will be lucky if this fight goes past three rounds. 
Man, I don't know. I do think it will go past three. I, I, I'm still riding with the decision. Um, but I think I might be sliding with Bulk on this one. Max definitely can knock him out. Max such a great boxer, man. <laughs> such a great boxer. We'll see, though. I'm really excited. Now let's move on to the main event of UFC 276. We got Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya, going for his sixth title defense against Jared the Killer Gorilla, Cannoneer. Man, this fight's going to be interesting, man. You got, on one hand, one of the best counter strikers we've seen in the UFC in a long, 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 long time. With Izzy, and he's just so smart. He he'll pick you apart. He'll use your aggressiveness against you. Like I said, he's a counter striker, and um, he has shockingly good takedown defense. The only guy he's really gotten taken down and controlled by is Jan. When Jan beat him at two o five, but at that point he was just you know he was outsized, you know, outmatched. But at um. At 185, he hasn't really met that guy. You know, Whitaker's given him a really good run for his money. Like I said, honestly, I do think that Whitaker won that second fight. Still a close fight, though. I can understand why he said Adesanya. But, um, truthfully, I don't know, man. He he hasn't really faced anyone that's given him that type of threat of wrestling. And, I mean, yes, you, there was Yoel Romero, but... At the end of the day, Yoel likes to stand in MMA. It's kind of weird. Then you got Jared Cannonier, a former heavyweight, turned light heavyweight, turned middleweight. He's going to be the strongest middleweight that Adesanya has faced, and I don't think there's any debate here. I do think Jared is going to pack the strongest punch of any 185-er that Adesanya's faced, except maybe Yoel. Except maybe Yoel. I do think that Jared would be smart to utilize wrestling with that strength, but at the end of the day, like I said, Adesanya has great takedown events against Vittori, against Whitaker, against Romero. I mean, it wasn't horrible takedown defense against Jan. Yes, he lost the fight, but still. And, you know, he had he has a good guard game. Um, at the end of the day, he has underrated jiu-jitsu. I mean, I know he's just purple belt, but still, he... He can hold his own down there. I do see Jared working his best to get close to Izzy because Izzy Izzy loves to utilize the length that he has and loves to just pop his jab out. And he loves to invite you in but then keep you at bay. At the end of the day, Cannonier needs to close the gap, needs to get Izzy on the fence to where he has nowhere else to back up. And that's where... Cannoneer could have some success. Vittori didn't. Cannoneer, though, I do feel is a little bit better of a striker. It's going to be really interesting to see that. But I don't know, man. Personally, I'm going to side in this fight, obviously, with Izzy. But I'm not going to sleep on Cannoneer at all. Izzy's saying he wants a 50-45 domination or a knockout. I think he, he's, he mentioned submission, but he wants, you know, either clean sweep, 50-45, or a knockout. He said he's we're going to see the destruction of Jared Cannonier. Man, that's a confident guy, but at the end of the day, don't look past Jared. Jared, when you throw around the term puncher's chance, it's this guy. This guy 
lands clean once, and I think he's even mentioned it this week. If he lands clean once, Adesanya might be going to sleep. If that happens, you're going to have to run this fight right back, obviously. But, I don't know, it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, definitely going to side with Izzy. But I'm not going to rule out the possibility that Cannonier could make a lot of people mad. And, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Like I said, UFC 276, the main card, 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Now let's move on to some MMA news. We got a decent amount to go through. First, I'm going to talk about what most recently um, came out. There are four nominees for Best SB MMA Fighter, and I don't know, I'm kind of confused by it. I mean, I guess you could think of SB as a pound-for-pound type of thing, but... The four that they chose, I mean, interesting, but at the same time, I don't know if I fully agree if these are the four really to go with. You got Volk, which I understand completely to put on there. You got Charles Oliveira, I understand, but then there's two that I don't fully understand. You got Kamaru Usman, I get it. He's a top pound-for-pound guy, but if you're going ESPYs by each year, he's fought once this last year. And it was a close fight against Colby. And then you got Kayla Harrison on there. I understand that one. But as previously mentioned, her division is booty. I mean, no one in her division can stand up to her. Yes, I understand that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not that she's so much better than everyone there. It's just that there is not much talent in that division to begin with. So I feel like two of these four are really deserving of this award, but the other two aren't completely understand if you say Volk just because of the way he dismantled the Korean Zombie, the way he beat Ortega, but personally I gotta go with Oliveira, I know he didn't make weight in that last fight, but my gosh, the way he beat Geishi and then the way he beat um, Poirier back in December, I think it was December, might have been January and then you know, he just, he is on a roll, this guy is insane, I think 11 straight wins and you know, 10 of them being uh, finishes. I gotta go Oliveira as my choice for, you know, the SB for best MMA fighter, but I don't have a vote. Just wanted to give my two cents on that. Another big thing. Recently, we have had some back and forth between Connor, McGregor, and Jorge Masvidal. There's been some Twitter back and forth. Of course, that happens all the time, whatever. In the day, I mean, it's just pretty interesting, you know. This is exactly what um, Jorge needs to be doing. You know, this is, you know, it's time for Jorge's money fight. I mean, Jorge's already a huge draw in the sport, but Jorge, he's not going to be challenging for a title. He needs to go after any fight that's going to get him a lot of money. That's why I'd love the rematch with Nate Diaz, but it's not going to happen. Um, I'd love a Nick Diaz fight, too, but not going to happen, probably. So, yes, you know. Call out Connor. Call out Connor as much as you freaking can. Keep his name. You know, keep it going. Keep everyone hearing you talk about it. You know, it's a fight I would love to see. At the end of the day, though, what I want for Connor, I want Connor to go in there and I want him to fight Michael Chandler. Sorry, someone dropped. I want to see Chandler McGregor. I think that fight would sell great. It might not sell as much as Jorge, but I do think it would be 
a more entertaining fight. And I think Chandler deserves that kind of um, superstardom. Masvidal's had it. You know, that Conor and Jorge would be maybe the biggest fight or biggest sell in pay-per-view the UFC's ever had. I think it'd be really interesting. Moving down on some news, you got uh, Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson. You know, he was in an interview and dropped the dropped his idea that Henry Cejudo absolutely uh, could be Aljamain Sterling and Alex Volkanovski. You know, at 135, beating Aljo. I do, I, I truly do think Henry could do that. That fight would be really entertaining. I think Aljo is definitely more versatile in stand-up than Henry is, but Henry's wrestling. He's an Olympic wrestler, gold medalist. I think it'd be really interesting to see how that fight would go. But seeing that Mighty Mouse thinks that he would beat Alex Volkanovsky at 145, I don't know too much about that one. I do think I do think he could give him a run for his money, but I don't necessarily think that he's prepared to face that kind of size. I think, you know, Volk, I mean, he even fought at middleweight. Yes, that was when he's fat. I get it. But, I mean, Cejudo's fought at 125. I don't think that this would go very well for Cejudo to go up and beat Volk. Yes, he always has that wrestling that he could go to, but at the end of the day, Volk is just so strong. <laughs> he is so freaking strong. I, I would just see Volkanovski beating Cejudo, but I do think it's interesting to have a legend of the fight game and Demetrius Johnson talking about this. I'd like to hear your all thoughts. I don't know. It's a pretty good one, though. Another one. Ronda Rousey was talking about any... Or she was asked if there's anything that could bring her back to MMA. And she said a Gina Carano fight would be the one thing that would bring her back. It's completely out of respect, but it's the one thing that would bring her back. I get that's old news. But Gina came back and said, don't put it past me. It could definitely happen. I would love to see this fight. You know, it's not necessarily that this fight, you know, is two of the best women's MMA fighters now. No, they're not. Both retired. But it'd just be so entertaining to see. I think Ronda's probably still under contract with the UFC. Um, if she wasn't, then this would be really entertaining to see in, like, Bellator or something. Because Bellator would probably promote this type of fight. That's no hate on them. I just do think that they would promote this. It'd be really entertaining to see just two legends and pioneers of women's MMA going at it. It was always one that people wanted when they were both at the top of the game, but never happened. Um, but I, I would very much hope that this happens and that this isn't just some ploy to get something to happen in WWE or just for you know hype and then nothing happens just for attention. I hope this actually happens. I'd love to see this fight. I would definitely tune in. Could happen on Invicta, I do think, but I think they'd like a bigger stage. UFC probably wouldn't do it. I do think Bellator would be willing to. Now, Danny Sabatello, Bellator's new, you know, microphone menace, I guess, fined five thousand dollars for his abusive language after the Bellator two eighty two win. Sorry, I bumped my mic, but. I don't know, man. Everyone cusses after it, but he he knew he'd be getting fined. I thought it was kind of funny. It was just the way he, he reacted, saying he really doesn't give an F on um, 
on Ariel Helwani's show. You know, I just kind of wanted to throw this into the episode just because Sabatello is freaking good, man. Sabatello. I remember watching him on the Contender Series, and then he didn't get a contract even though he won his fight easily. I was really annoyed. This guy, you know, I love, I'm love. i so excited for his fight with Rafion Stotts in the Bellator uh, Bantamweight Grand Prix. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to have his hands full with Stotts. He really is, but I do think he's got that better gas tank. And I do think, because Stotts tires through three rounds, I think Sabatello can coast through five. And, um, you know, he's just someone I'm really entertained by. I, and I just think it's also stupid for him to get fined 5000 I know he dropped so many F-bombs, but at the end of the day, come on, dude, just want to fight. A ton of people drop him. I get it. He drops way too many. I don't know. He didn't need to be fined. You're on Showtime anyway. You should be able to say anything. Now, two more things that I just want to mention. We got Michael Chandler saying that he's he has a vacancy for the rest of the year. He wants someone to come in and fill that spot. I've already said who I want him to fight. I want him to fight Connor, but at the end of the day, I don't know if that Connor fight's going to happen. Connor fight is a big, 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 big time fight, but Connor probably won't be ready until the end of or until probably first quarter, May second quarter of 2023. So if that doesn't happen, I'd love to see Chandler versus Poirier. It'd be really entertaining. I think he could, he'd definitely give Poirier a great fight. I think, you know, Chandler has a better wrestling than Poirier, but at the end of the day, Poirier is really good off his back still. And in the stand-up, it'd be entertaining either way. Poirier might be a bit more technical, but Chandler, oh my gosh. Chandler is electric and could land one punch, easily get a knockout. He's the most powerful guy in that division, and I don't think there's any question. I'd also like to see Chandler versus Benil Dariush, but that wouldn't be as you know big when it came to or when it comes to selling or anything. Because you probably want to put Chandler on a pay per view, um, just because he he's a draw now. He he truly is. But yeah, I mean, you know, those are the two main ones that come to mind, other than uh, other than McGregor. But he could fill the bill. For my next thing that I just wanted to, you know, sit here and talk about. What is going on with Nate Diaz and what do we do with Nate Diaz? The guy keeps talking about wanting his release or wanting a fight as soon as possible. And he's not being given his fight. I don't know why he's not getting it. It's annoying me, to be honest with you. (laughs) I mean, you need to see him with someone soon. You know, he's really mad. He's got one fight. They're just hoarding it, hoping maybe... That Connor fight will happen next year, but I don't think Connor's really interested in fighting Nate again. Maybe he is, but Connor, I he knows that Jorge might sell more, and he knows that Chandler could sell maybe about the same. Let's be completely honest in that trilogy with Nate. So Nate's won Poirier, but then I think he's declining fights with Poirier. You know, he says he wants him, but then he declines it. I think is what Poirier is saying. It's, it's just a really weird freaking situation, man. Um. Like I said, you know, Chandler is willing to fight Connor at 170. Let Chandler go with Nate at 170. I think it'd be really entertaining. I think Chandler and Nate would be super fun with the chin that each guy has, with the reputation that each guy has. It would be super fun to see. 
Chandler would be maybe apprehensive towards going to the ground. He wasn't apprehensive with Oliveira, but still, Diaz is great off his back as well. Diaz's jiu-jitsu would be super fun. I would love to see Chandler and Nate Diaz go at it. Or Nate Diaz rematch with Jorge Masvidal. That would be fun. Or, hey, Sean Brady keeps throwing his hat in the ring. They're not going to do it. They won't. But at the end of the day, I would definitely love to see it. Sean Brady would probably maul him, though. Let's be completely honest. He's just an up-and-coming guy. He would probably win that fight. Yeah, Sean Brady could be entertaining, but it won't happen. We know that. But um, I think we need to get Diaz a fight sooner rather than later. I think it's just hurting the UFC and their reputation to have him, you know, hating on him on Twitter, saying he wants to go to Bellator or he wants out or he wants a Jake Paul fight, and then Dana's saying, oh, yeah, give him a Jake Paul fight. Why not? Let Diaz fight. Let Diaz make you some extra money while you have him. I know you want to hold out for the McGregor thing, but anyone will sell with McGregor. Let Diaz get a fight in. Let him fight Poirier. Let him fight, you know, me and Jorge again. Let him fight Chandler. I mean, let him fight Tony. I think Tony and Diaz would be so entertaining to watch. A, you know, a legend matchup. That would be so fun. I wish that they make that. You know, or, like I said, the one that makes sense, make Poirier. Make Poirier versus Diaz, please. End of discussion. But that's going to wrap up the news. I think this is going to just wrap up the episode. Um, you know, this has been really fun, actually. Um, this is on my second GarageBand uh, song thing because I reached the limit on the first one. But, um, yeah, this has, this has been really, really fun. Super excited to be back on Sunday for the next episode. And, yeah, you know, tune in. PFL 6 prelims Friday at 6 p.m on ESPN Plus with the main card Friday at 8 p.m. on ESPN. And then UFC 276 prelims Saturday, 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus, 8 p.m. on ABC, and the main card 10 p.m. on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy, and subscribe if you're watching slash listening on YouTube. You know, follow it on Spotify and Apple Music, you know, anything. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been a great time. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Sitting Cage Side. Peace.